us have memorized the Lord's Prayer and often repeat it during the day. Through today's teaching of studying this prayer, we should have a better understanding of how to pray. This message is the fourth in the series, The Way to Pray. The message is entitled, Know What It's About. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles this morning and grab your teaching sheets or your mobile devices, whatever you're using there for your notes today as we continue our series, our summer series together, talking about the way to pray. And actually, we'll start with two passages this morning. If you want to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 11, verse number 1, and then also our main focus will be in Matthew chapter 6, so those two passages, Luke chapter 11, uh, one verse there, verse number 1, then in Matthew chapter 6, we'll start in verse 9 in just a moment. We're talking about the way to pray. I want today to talk about knowing what prayer really is all about. One of the things that uh, I'm sure you've experienced at some point in time in your life is the experience of wanting to know something, wanting to learn about something. Maybe there's a particular hobby that you became interested in, a particular subject matter that you wanted to learn something about, and just that interest, that fact that you wanted to learn, it made you teachable. You sought people out that could teach you things about it that you didn't know. You read books that otherwise you would not have read. There was something about your interest that drove you to actually being teachable, trainable. And what we see in the Bible is we see there was a time in the life of Jesus' disciples when they had noticed something about Jesus that really not only intrigued them but inspired them and made them very teachable, very desirous of learning something from Him. And that was their observation of Jesus at prayer. They had noticed that Jesus, when He prayed, got answers. Jesus, when He prayed, saw things happen. And so they again said, you know, Jesus, when you pray, stuff happens. We'd like to learn how to do what you do. We would like to learn how to pray the Jesus way. And one day this was found in the heart of one of His disciples where He actually formulated this into a request, and it's found in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Notice these words, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place when He finished One of his disciples said to him, Lord, what's the phrase there? What's the request? Teach us to pray. In other words, Jesus, we've seen you praying with such power and such significance and such, such amazing, with such amazing results. Would, would you teach us to pray like you prayed? And Jesus responded by giving them the greatest prayer lesson that has ever been recorded. He laid out for you and for me and for the disciples of that day an understanding about prayer that really we need to grasp. There needs to be something inside of us just like there was in the heart of this disciple that said, Lord, teach us to pray. How how do we pray, Jesus, your way? And Jesus laid it out in something called the Lord's Prayer. And as we talked about last weekend, the Lord's Prayer really isn't the prayer so much that the Lord prayed as much as it is the prayer that He wants you and I to pray. It's a disciple's prayer. It's the prayer of the believer. It's how we ought to pray. And notice what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 9. I'm going to ask you to read this out loud and loudly with me together. Let's make it a prayer as well as a reading. And so everybody together again, Matthew 6 verse 9, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It will be on the screen there for you. I think it's on your notes as well. Let's read. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, for most folks, whether they're Christian or not, 
practically everyone has heard this prayer before. Many of us who are Christians, at least by training or awareness or have gone to church at some point in time, have actually memorized this. How many of you would say that you memorized this back in Sunday school? You learned this. And maybe even as you went through some kind of catechism class, through your spiritual training in whatever church you may have been involved in, you learned something about the Lord's Prayer. And even today, as churches are gathering around the world during the time of worship, many of them will, rest, will give a recitation, a repetition of the Lord's Prayer. They will pray what we call the hour. Father. And oftentimes, that's about all that we know about the Lord's Prayer, sort of something we pray sometimes for some folks kind of superstitiously when they're in trouble, our Father, which art in heaven, what be your name? Sort of like a superstitious prayer they pray, just something to say because they feel like it's the right prayer to pray. But is that what it was all about? Was Jesus simply giving us some words to memorize so that in the midst of a liturgical order, a liturgical service, we could simply rattle off words in about 30, 35 seconds? No, that was not what Jesus was talking about. While it is certainly a prayer that ought to be memorized, if you haven't memorized it, I would certainly encourage you to do so, and certainly a prayer that ought to be prayed. There's nothing wrong with reciting this prayer. There was a whole lot more to it than this. In fact, in the New International Version, the Bible says of Jesus, when the disciple asked him about prayer, teach us to pray, he said, this then is how you should pray, and then gave the Lord's Prayer. He didn't say this is what you should pray. He said this is how you should pray. Jesus gave us not just words to recite, but a way to go about prayer. And so packed in to those little, those little words, those verse, that short passage in the Bible, that you can repeat in about 30, 35 seconds, is found everything you will ever need to know about prayer. It's the Jesus way to pray. He said, when you pray, pray like this. This is how, not what, this is how you are to go about prayer, how you are to structure, organize your prayer life. And so if you and I are going to go to the next level in our praying, we need to learn something about the Jesus way to pray, right? Amen? And so we've got to dive into this and understand what it's all about. And so that's our our goal over the summer. We're looking at how how to pray the Jesus way. And I want to talk this weekend about what's the beginning point of prayer? How, How do we begin? What is prayer all about? What was Jesus saying about the substance, the purpose of prayer? And I'm going to share with you three things that I think represent to us the purpose of prayer, the mindset that we have when we begin to pray. And the very first thing that Jesus is trying to teach us about prayer is that prayer is a relationship activity. It is not a religious activity. He said, the first thing I want you to understand about prayer, you said, teach us to pray. So here's what you must understand about prayer. Prayer is not a religious activity. What kind of activity is it? A relationship activity. What are the first two words that Jesus said, pray like this? What are they? Our Father, our Father, our Father saying right prayer begins with a right relationship with God. And Father is a relational word, isn't it? Father is not a religious word. Father is a relational word. And the very first thing that should capture our attention when we think about praying is to realize that we're talking not just to God, but we're talking to God as our heavenly Father, relationship. See, a father has a unique relationship to a child. It speaks of both ways, father to child, child to father. 
It speaks of a trusting relationship. It speaks of something that should be healthy and good and benevolent in our lives. It speaks of something that, is, that should be warming and comforting to us. There's something about the image of a healthy, good father that ought to bring a sense of security to your life. And so the beginning point of prayer is to understand that we, to pray the right way, have to know God as our father. If you don't know him as your father, you will never, ever pray the right way. Now, how do we get to know God as our Father? Let me talk about it from two angles. First of all, let's say you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. How do you have a relationship with God? How do you get to know Him as your Father? Jesus made it very clear in John chapter 14, verse number 6. As Jesus was being asked about the way to the Father, He responded and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus said, you got to understand something. If you want to get to the Father, there's only one way to get through the Father, and that is through me. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He did not say, I am a way, a truth, a life. Now, our world today would tell you there are many ways to get to God. The Bible says, no, there's not, there are not many ways to get to God. There's only one way to get to God and know Him as your Father, and that is through the pathway and the name called Jesus. That's the only pathway that will get you to God. Now, other pathways of religion may help you to be a little better person along the way and all those kinds of things, but if you want to know God as your Father, you have to have a relationship with His Son, Jesus, because it is Jesus who will introduce you to and lead you into relationship with the Father. And so if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, that's where you began today. I'm so glad that lots of years ago, a number of years ago, when I prayed that simple prayer and said, Jesus Christ, come into my life, there in that moment, I was born into the family of God, and God was my Father, and I could call Him Father. So you're born again. You're adopted into the family. But let's talk about believers for a moment. Let's say that you're a believer in Jesus Christ, but you still need to understand that you have a Father. Because there are a lot of Christians that, that, that still have not grasped the reality of what it means to have a heavenly Father. And there are lots of reasons why that occurs in people's lives. Maybe you are equating with God an experience you had with your earthly father. Maybe it was not so good. Maybe you had a dad that walked out on you, a dad that rejected you, abandoned you, a dad that never really understood you, a dad that you never connected with. And so when somebody says, God, Father, you, you consciously or unconsciously, you, you, you sort of digress from the reality of who He is. You can't comprehend that. There needs to be the renewing of your mind that the Father God is very different from any earthly father. He is the perfect Father. Amen? And notice what Paul says to believers in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 15. I'm going to read this from the Living Bible. This is for believers. This is for you and for me. And so we should not be like cringing, fearful slaves... He's talking to Christians, says, don't, don't live like fearful, cringing slaves in your relationship with God, but we should behave like God's very own, what's the word there? Children, adopted into the bosom of His family and calling Him what? 
He said, hey, believer, understand something. You don't have to cringe like a slave before God. No, that's not how God wants to relate to you. God has now, through Jesus Christ, adopted you into the bosom of His family. I love the way the Living Bible paraphrases that. He's brought you as close as He can. See, when you draw something to your bosom, it's drawing it as close as you possibly can. And the Bible says that you've been adopted into the bosom of His family, and now you can call him father, father, or Abba is the Greek word. It means dad. You can refer to him just as your daddy. For his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we really are God's children. And since we are his children, we will share his treasures for all God gives to his son. Jesus is now ours too. There ought to be a hallelujah right there. He says, now you're in the family and everything I bless Jesus with, I'm willing to bless you with. Because see, when you come into the family, all the family benefits become yours. When you come into the family, everything that's represented by the inheritance and the richness of that family becomes a part of your richness and inheritance as well. The Scripture says that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I am so glad that when I kneel down to pray, the first two words that can come out of my mouth are not God, just God Almighty, but God my Father, our Father which art in heaven. That is, I have a relationship with you. First John 2 verse 23. No one who denies the Son has the Father, but whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. So what great love the Father has lavished on us, that's you and me, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. I want you to say with me this morning, if you know Jesus as Lord of your life, would you say this phrase, say, I am a child of God. Say it with me. I am a child of God. Say this with me. God is my Father. Say it with me. God is my Father. Every day of your life, when you begin your prayer, you begin. I'm not a slave of God. Yes, I am His servant, but I am a child of God, and God is my Father. See, folks, that changes everything. It changes everything when it comes to prayer. It changes your entire perspective of how you pray. And so this disciple said, Lord, teach us to pray the way you pray. And Jesus said, okay, you want to pray how I pray? Pray like this. This is how you pray. Our Father. You're a child of God. God is your Father. Now, let me show you how this impacts prayer. The book of Hebrews helps us to see how this relationship with God impacts our confidence in prayer, our ability to boldly come to God. Chapter 4 of Hebrews, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest talking about Jesus who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And notice this. Let us then, that's because of who Jesus is, because Jesus has connected us to the Father, because he is our way to the Father, then let us then approach God's throne of grace with, what's the word? there. Circle that word on your notes. Write it down with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let me tell you something about a grasping of an understanding of God as your Father. It'll give you confidence when you pray. It gives you an incredible confidence when you pray. Now, I have two daughters, and one of the things that uh, I tried to help them understand in growing up, and they continue to, to understand to this day, is that they can approach me about anything. They can ask me, and they're not bashful about asking me, Dad, can I have? Dad, would you give me? 
And guess what? I never rebuke them for asking. I don't always give them what they ask, but I don't rebuke them. They can confidently, they don't have to sort of sneak up in a cowering mode. Oh, daddy, if you please would, think about it. Just, oh, I'm so miserably poor, sinner, help me. No, they come confidently into my presence and lay out their request before me. Why? Because we have a relationship, okay? And the basis of their asking is the basis of confidence that comes from a relationship. And no matter what kind of earthly relationship you had with your dad, I want you to know that you have a heavenly father who is good, a heavenly father who loves you, a heavenly father who is perfect, and a heavenly father that will, that will embrace you into his bosom. Let me say just a couple more things about this. Remember I said that prayer is a relationship activity, not a religious activity. Let me show you what the difference is. A religious activity is something you do to try to earn favor with God. That if I do this, God will like me more. If I will do this, God will be more, more accepting of me. That I'm going to be more, uh, I'm going to have sort of a, something attached to my good list that will get me on the good side of God if I do this. And so we think sometimes a prayer like that, a religious activity that I'm just going to pray because I have to. It's what God tells me to do, and I'm going to do that so I'll be a good person. No, understand something. Prayer is not based in religion. Let me tell you something else about religion. Religion will kill you. Religion is a works orientation in your life where you're trying to always do something to make sure God is happy with you. Let me tell you that God is already happy with you. God has already accepted. If you've accepted His Son, Jesus, you're in the family. If you've accepted Jesus as Lord of your life, you're already loved by God. You don't have to prove that you love Him. Now, you do by your obedience because of your relationship with Him. But there's not any kind of work that you can do that will earn you favor with God. All the favor of God has already been given to you in Jesus Christ. His grace has been made available and poured out to you. You are accepted in the Beloved. You don't have to do a single thing. Why? Because Jesus did it all for you. And out of gratitude to Him, we now live for Him. We don't live to earn His favor, but because we have His favor, we now live for Him. It's a big difference. And this is where a lot of people miss it. I'm going to do this to earn something with God. No, prayer is not something you do to earn anything with God. Prayer is something you do because you know God, you love Him, you want a relationship with Him, and it's all about relationships. So the first thing that Jesus says to us about prayer, He says, understand this, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. When you pray, pray like this. What are the first two words again? Our Father. The second thing that we learn about prayer, what is prayer all about? Prayer is an attitude before it's an action. Before you actually do the act of praying, you need to make sure that your attitude is where it needs to be. You're postured the right way. Now, by posturing, I don't mean physical posturing in terms of kneeling down or standing up or sitting down. All of those are elements in terms of prayer that we could talk about in regards to that. But posturing here, as I'm referring to it, I'm talking about the attitude of your mind, of your heart, as you approach God. And so you come to God and say, God, here I am. You're my Father. And then he said, pray like this. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. What's the next phrase there? Hallowed be your name, or hallowed be your name. So say that last phrase with me. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name, okay? 
He said, when you approach God, pray like this. Start with relationship and then make sure your attitude is right before you start engaging in the actions of prayer. That is the attitude of hallowing God. What does it mean to come to God with an attitude of hallowing His name? I'm going to talk more about that word in a moment. Let me talk about the attitude behind that word. There are four things. You may want to write them down or circle them on your notes. First of all, it's an attitude of reverence and awe. That we come to God, even though He's our Father, we still reverence Him, right? We have an attitude of awe and reverence. He is, after all, He's God, amen? He's God. You don't just walk into God's presence, hey, God, what's up, buddy? Okay. No, God is God, amen? He's the awesome God that we bring reverence to. And so everything that will flow in our prayer time, again, starts with the relationship, but it's not a disrespectful relationship. It is a relationship of reverence. It is a relationship of awe. It's an attitude of reverence, an attitude of awe. And then it's also an attitude of dependency upon God. And again, dependency is an attitude. You're coming and saying, God, you are the greater and I am the lesser. I need you in my life. And prayer is all about reaching up to a God that is bigger than you and I are, that we reverence, we have all for, but also that we are absolutely dependent upon. I, I need God. How about you? I need Him. Because the Bible says, in Him I live and move and have my being apart from God. In fact, apart from relationship with Him, I can do nothing. And when you come to that realization, as Jesus said in John chapter 15, that apart from Him, you can do nothing. There's this attitude of dependency. God, you're my Father, and I reverence you. I have awe for you, and I'm dependent upon you. And then the third word to write down there is an attitude of praise. It's an attitude of praise. We'll talk about the specifics of praise later, but this is an attitude of praise, that you come to God recognizing you because God is awesome and God is great and God is good, that you have this attitude of appreciation for who He is, appreciating the very fact that you can even come into His presence. When I, when I really think about prayer, I'm just amazed. I am so grateful that God has even allowed us to do this thing, aren't you? Aren't you glad that any, aren't you glad any time of the day 24-7, 365, through Jesus Christ, you can go immediately into God's presence and talk to Him. Isn't that incredible? See, you, when, you, when you talk about talking to people, you have to get appointments, okay? Right? You got to schedule something. I was calling a doctor the other day to get a, get a schedule. My wife was calling for me, actually. And, she, and the doctor's office said, well, yeah, we'll be glad to see you in September. I think, thank God I'm not dying or something. I mean, you know. So I got to wait till September to go see the doctor. Why? Because that's the first time I can get an appointment. I can get an appointment with God faster than I can my doctor, okay? Because God says, look, anytime you want to come into my presence, I'm always awake. I'm always available. All you have to do is approach me. That's worthy of praise, amen? That's worthy of praise. That's worthy of appreciating. So God, you're my father. I have a relationship with you. It's not a religious thing I'm doing here when I'm praying. God, I'm approaching you as my father with reverence and awe, knowing that I'm dependent upon you. I really need you in my life. And I'm so grateful that you've made your presence available to me. And then write down the word. We come also with a trust in God. God, what I want to happen today in my time of prayer is I want to make sure that I release to you those things I need to release to you. And I know that I can trust you as my father 
to take care of everything in my life. So I'm coming to release from me all those things that are holding me back and keeping me from being all that I need to be. And I'm putting them over on you and I'm trusting your power to work in and through me. And see, all of those things are attitudes you bring in prayer. And so when you pray, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Start with a relationship. You can't pray without a relationship. And then make sure your attitude is right. Hallowed be your name. That is, make sure that you have reverence toward God and make sure that you are truly dependent upon Him. And make sure you have this praise toward Him, this appreciation that you can even come into His presence. And make sure you understand that it's all about trusting Him. It's not just about getting what you want. It's about learning to trust Him as you pray, as you call out to Him. Here's our third and final point today. What are we learning about prayer? What is it all about? Thirdly, prayer is about bringing honor to God's name. At the end of the day, what is prayer all about? It's about one thing here as we begin our prayers and end our prayers and relate to God through prayer. It's all about bringing honor to whose name? Come on, help me out. Whose name? God's name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is an attitude, but it's also going to now be an action. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed, the word means, or hallowed, the name, the word means to set apart. It means to, to understand that something is separate, it's distinct, it is pure, it is above. There's nothing like it. And so you start your prayer with a focus on the honoring of whose name? Not your name, but God's name. Not getting what you want, but getting what God wants. Not exalting who you are and what you want to do, but exalting who God is and who and what He wants to do. You got it? See, that's what, that's what real prayer is. Real prayer, when, when, when it's prayed effectively, it's really about Him. It's about honoring His name. See, sometimes we give testimonies. A testimony is, at, we, we say, God answered my prayer. And so, we'll have a time in church. Who has a testimony? And somebody will stand up and say, well, I want to testify to the fact that I prayed about this and God heard my prayer. Glory be to His What are they doing? They're testifying to the fact that as God's answer came, who did it point back to? To God, okay? So until this is really established inside of us, see, if prayer is all about you, then you're never going to pray the Jesus way. Let me say that again. If prayer is all about you, it's all about your pain, it's all about your problems, it's all about you. I'm not saying you can't bring your pain and your problems to God in prayer. We ought to do that. But at the end of the day, it's not about your problems. It's not about your pain. It's not about your difficulty. It's about God working in and through you so that at the end of the day, who gets all the glory? It's pointed back to Him. So prayer is about bringing honor to whose name? God's name. Not your name, God's name. God's purpose being extended to the earth. Now, why did he mention name here? Because your name represents your reputation. You ever heard it said before about someone? Well, that person has a name. What they're saying is they have a reputation, either good or bad. They've earned a reputation. A name in the Bible represents character. Okay, it represents, if you will, what someone's nature is. And so oftentimes when God would change a person, He would indicate their change by changing their, their name. Okay? 
So they had one name. Jacob was changed to Israel after God worked a mighty work in his life. There are many examples of this in the Bible of God changing someone's name. Saul became Paul. So there are different transformations that represent the changing of a person's character, a representation of a person's character. So when we talk about the name of God, we're talking not just about a word or a phrase about God, we're talking about his nature and his character. And so when you and I pray, our focus needs to be on the name and character and nature of God. Who are we praying to? What do we know about this God that we're praying to? Well, we know He's our Father that gave us access to Him, so we confidently approach Him. We come with the right attitudes, reverence and dependency and praise and trust. And now we say, God, I want to honor, I want to remember who You are. I want to remember who I'm talking to. I want to remember the nature and character of the one that I'm now speaking with, the one that I'm bringing my needs to. And so I want to take a few moments today and talk to you about some of God's name. One of the primary names of God revealed in the Old Testament is the name Jehovah or Yahweh. That was the name that God revealed to Moses at the burning bush when Moses said he's going to go back to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. And God sa- and he says, God, who will I tell them sent me? And God said, Tell them that I am, that I am sent you, that Yahweh Jehovah sent you. And so Yahweh Jehovah means the I am, that I am. And then God all throughout the Old Testament began to reveal his I am's to us. And so you find Jehovah with other words linked to them. We call them the Hebrew compound names of God. And so God reveals himself by his name so that we will know who he is and learn something about his nature and character. So I'm going to share with you eight Old Testament names of God and one primary New Testament name of God and show you how this links in prayer. You guys excited about that? Are you ready? You're about to learn some Hebrew, all right? You're about to learn something that's going to help you in your prayers. First of all, the Bible tells us that God is known as Jehovah the I Am Jireh. I am your provider. So when you kneel down to pray, who are you talking to? You're talking to Jehovah Jireh, the one who is your provider. Write down the reference, Genesis chapter 22, verse number 14. Second of all, the Bible teaches us that God is Jehovah Rapha. Rapha means I am the Lord who heals you. I am your healer, okay? Exodus 15, verse 26. So when you're praying, who are you talking to? You're talking to Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. Thirdly, the Bible tells us that He is Jehovah Nisi. He's the one that is your banner. He's the one that is your victory. That's found in Exodus chapter 17, verse number 15. So when you pray, who are you talking to? to you kneel down to pray and say God I come today to talk to you to open my heart to you and I thank you that you're Jehovah you're Jehovah Jireh that everything I need you can provide God I thank you today that you are you're you're Jehovah Rapha every place where I'm hurting and where I'm sick and diseased. You're the one that is well able to heal me. Lord, I thank you that you're Jehovah Nisi. Every place that I'm fighting a battle, you've already won it for me. That you're the victory. You're the banner of victory over my life. That's who you're talking to. Hallowed be thy name. And then you remember him as Jehovah Makedesh. Makedesh is a word that means sanctification. You can find that reference in Exodus, uh, excuse me, Leviticus chapter 20, verse number 8. That is, he's able to make something out of your mess. Anybody have any mess in your life? 
To sanctify means to set apart, to make right, to make whole, to make holy. And so when you kneel down to pray, who are you talking to? You're talking to the great God who is Jehovah Makedesh. He is able to take that big old mess that is you, and he's able to do something with a mess you can't do anything about. He's able to fix your mess. He's able to make wholeness out of brokenness. Man, I'm getting ready to shout here today. If you, got, if you aren't going to shout, I'm going to shout for you, all right? This is good stuff, even though I am preaching it, okay? It's the Bible. Number five is Jehovah Shalom. Judges chapter 6, verse 24. What does the name, what does the word shalom mean? Peace. That you kneel down to pray. Who are you praying to? You're praying to Jehovah Shalom. God, today I thank you that where I'm disturbed, where I'm anxious, where I have worries and concerns in my life, that I'm coming to you because I know who you are. I'm honoring and hallowing your name. You're Jehovah Shalom. Number six, he's Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord who is our, write the word down, righteousness. Jeremiah 23, verse number six. What that means is this. It means he's the God that is able to wipe your sin away and establish that you are clean and forgiven and whole to wash every stain of every mistake you've ever made and impute to you, impart to you His gift of righteousness. Aren't you glad that you're able to go to a God and when you pray, He's able to forgive every sin you have ever committed and accept you into His family, accept you into His his presence, totally forgiven and washed because of what Jesus did. And then He's Jehovah-Rohi. Psalm 23, verse number 1, He is the Lord who is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy Mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because the Lord is Jehovah-Rohi, because the Lord is my shepherd. That's who you're talking to when you pray. Yes, he's your father, but he's these things as well. Number eight, he's Jehovah Shama. The word Shama is a word that means to be present or presence. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 48, verse number 35. What that means is this. There's never a time as a believer in Jesus Christ where God is not with you. No matter how dark it is, no matter how many people walked out on you, how many people rejected you, how many people turned their back on you, every friend can leave you, every person can walk out of your life, but God said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. He said, I am Jehovah Shammah. I'm the Lord who is present. David said, where can I go to get from your presence? I go up there, you're there. I go down there, you're there. There's no place I can go that you're not already there. You are with me, God. Got a few hallelujahs and a couple of amens. That's good. I'm going to tell you the greatest name of all. Who is this one that we say, hallowed be your name. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know today that the Lord Jesus Christ is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is Jehovah Nisi. He is Jehovah, Mc- Jehovah Mekedesh. He is Jehovah Shalom. He is Jehovah Sidkenu. He is Jehovah Rohi. He is Jehovah Shama. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you have him, you have everything you need. When you have him, 
Because Jesus said, I am. He equated himself as the I am. So you go back and read the New Testament, you find over and over again, Jesus said, I am, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection of life. I am the way, the truth. I am, I am, I am. What does he say? He said, I'm Jehovah. I'm your God. And so, folks, when you and I kneel down to pray, what is it all about? By the way, that reference is Acts chapter 2, verse 36. But I want you to get this. When you kneel down to pray, what is prayer all about? Jesus said, let me teach you how to pray my way. When you pray, this is how you should pray. Start out with our Father. Understand, have a relationship with God. This is not religion you're doing here. You're building a relationship with your Father. You're engaging in a relationship with your Father. It's not a work that you do. It's not something you have to get up every morning and say, oh my goodness, I've got to pray because it's my thing I've got to do. No, I get to pray. I get, to, I, get to be, I get to spend some time with my dad today. I get to spend some time with my father. And so we start out with this, this mindset of relationship, not religion. And then we say, okay, let me make sure my attitude is where it needs to be. I'm coming with reverence to my father and awe in who he is as the great God. And I come depending upon him. He's greater, I'm lesser, I'm dependent upon him. And I, I come with, with appreciation and praise that I can even do this, that I can come into his presence. And I come with this trust saying, I know that he's going to work what is best in my life. And I'm trusting him with this. And also, I'm gonna hallow his name. I'm going to remember who he is. I'm going to remember that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who is my victory and my banner. Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord who makes a mess out of my messes. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord who is my shepherd. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord who is my righteousness. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who is my peace. And Jehovah, what was the other one? No, I missed that one. Well, look at your notes. You'll get it. I did pretty good. I got seven out of eight, all right? But most importantly, I am the Lord Jesus Christ who rules and reigns in your life. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's a whole lot in that little thing when Jesus said, when you pray, this is how you ought to pray. Man, prayer begins to get exciting when you begin to understand how to pray the Jesus way. Amen. Let's bow our hearts together and pray. Father, thank you today. For teaching us about prayer, thank you that you're inspiring us to become people who do pray, helping us to take our prayer commitments to another level, not because we have to, but because we want to. And I thank you that as we begin to embrace this understanding, Lord, in our lives, that you're going to do incredible things. I thank you for what you're going to do in individuals, what you're going to do in families, what you're going to do in our church, what you're going to do in our community, what you're going to do in our world, God, because your people are going to learn how to pray the Jesus way. Establish this in us, we ask in Jesus' name. Hi, I'm Pastor Dale O'Shields. I want to thank you for listening to our broadcast of Practical Living. I trust it was a blessing to you, and I trust that you're growing in your spiritual journey. Or perhaps you've never even started your spiritual journey, and today this is your opportunity to make a decision to move forward, getting to know Jesus Christ, letting Him have control of your life. See, the Bible says of Jesus that He stands at the door and knocks, and if anyone will hear His voice, you can open that door and let Him in. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, today is the day that you need to do it. In fact, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. If you'll pray this prayer sincerely with all your heart, mean it with all your heart, Jesus Christ will come into your life. Repeat this prayer after me. Say these words. Say, Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong in my life. I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior of the world, that you died for me and rose again. Just simply tell Jesus, I believe in you. 
Now open up your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. By faith, I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, sincerely, I want you to know something. Jesus heard it, and he saved you. You're a new creation in Christ. You get a brand new start in your journey with God. But now you have to grow. You have to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus every day. And so we want to help you get started. And we have some resources available on our website that will do so called New Beginnings. So check them out. And again, I want to thank you for being a part of today's broadcast. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings.